BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey now, Adam Reaver here from fu-tone.com and EVHD Tuna. You're listening to Talking Metal. All right. Before we get into the episode, I'm going to raise my cup here. Dash on the rocks, my friend. Dash vodka, the best stuff out there, the best vodka. They put so much care into the fermentation of this stuff. I mean, three days for the weed, three weeks for the raisins, absolutely incredible. And that, you know, there's a reason that it's so smooth. It's because of the care they put into it. I'm thinking of asking Hank to come on to tell us about how they how they do this, you know. The care they put into everything, even the water, put fine detail into cleansing that, making it so perfectly. Even on the way to the bottle lining, the vodka is filtered through a packed bed of crushed coconut holes to one micron absolute. Most, if not all, vodkas are filtered through a bed of charcoal. I mean, Dash does it through coconuts. So incredible, so much detail. A reason it's so good. Check it out, Dash Vodka. Link through the show notes, dashvodka.com. Check it out, my friends. Only the best vodka here on Talking Metal. We definitely love our Dash, and we definitely love our patrons, the people who support us, the people who make this show happen. We're going for 100, and when we get to 100, I will start doing a bi-weekly video show. And I'm not talking about just me talking into my iPhone. I'm talking about a produced high-end video show for the patrons first off, and then it'll go live to the public a day or two later. So we need to get to 100 patrons in order for that to happen, and that's because I'm financially going to have to bring in people and pay people to, to help me with it. But in the meantime, we're making progress. We're slowly but surely building the army of patrons on Patreon, and I just want to give a shout out to every single one of you guys. Come on, guys. We're almost at 50. There's, there's got to be some people out there who can afford $2 a month to get me to 50. We're at 48 right now. And those 48 people are all very important to me. And they are Steve Hoker, Mike Jones, Steven Saylor, Dan Gurwan, Metal Dan, Brad Dahl, Jean-Francois Blah, Chris Riley, Matt Carroll, James Bennett, Ron Keel, Matt Street, Fred Roots, David Gray, Drake, Jason Seth, Tommy Anderson, Jerry from Long Island, Sam Soupy, Joe Ryan from California, Hank Reeves, John Bovari, Leo from Alaska, Andrew Miller, Stephen Rodriguez, Denny Striegel, that's my dad, it's his birthday today, happy birthday dad, Jeremy Weltman, Kenny McCrimmon, 
Jerry from Salt Lake City, Gregory Muse, Johan Erdestrom, Sean Richmond, Mario Charance, Glenn Watson, Gene Eugene DX, Joey Von Cherry, Victor Guzman, Anthony Mackey, Huckney Jacobson, John Simpson, Patrick Sabin, John Barron, Blue Walsh, 21, Madison Hatter, Alan Janssen, Ed Ferguson, and Seth B. You guys are amazing. Wow. What an army. And you are the reason that Talking Metal is still going here today. I guarantee it. You really are. Thank you for everything you guys do. Let's go uh, listen to some Talking Metal and drink some Dash right now. All right, so we got two people on the show tonight. We got Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show, and we got Adam from FU Tone. He's going to be talking with me, too. Two great interviews. I've known Adam for a while. I've known Chris for a while, too. So always fun to hang out with people I like, and that's what we're doing on this episode of Talking Metal. Let's go to the news. Brian Johnson biography due in October. That could be a really good read. I hope he's honest. I hope he doesn't shy away from some of the rough spots he's been through with ACDC because there, there, there have been those. I mean, we got to remember he was always one of the three songwriters. And then at some point, like back in the 80s, I think late 80s, early 90s, his name was removed from all songwriting credits. That was weird, right? Um, you know, and then of course the whole thing where he left and was having hearing trouble and Axl Rose took over. So I, I hope, I hope we get an honest biography from them because ACDC has always been a very, very private band, very private, much like Iron Maiden. So I, I hope we can get an insight and an honest look at things and it just isn't, um, all Roses, if you know, if you know what I mean, when it comes to ACDC, because uh, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to see a little behind the curtain on the inner workings of one of my favorite bands. We have a headline on Blabbermouth Van Halen's record label wanted band to change change name after replacing David Lee Roth with Sammy Hagar. Wow, why why is this even a headline? I mean, this has been something I think we've known for decades, right? I know. They went into it in the Ted Templeman book that Greg Renoff wrote, and I don't know. I didn't know that that was uh, a secret. I could have sworn back in the day Eddie talked about that, that they were being pressured to change the name and they didn't want to, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. And Steve Vai and Jason Bonham added to Little Kids Virtual Benefit event. It's a national nonprofit little kids rock event, and it'll feature a diverse, multi genre lineup of singers, songwriters, and musical talent. And it raises money for the Hot Topic Foundation. What what in the world is that? Hot Topic Foundation. But anyways, it's all about keeping music alive for kids, getting them playing instruments and being involved in music, which I think is a really important thing. So, uh, cool, cool. Little Kids Rock. You can check them out on Twitter. Little Kids Rock, at Little Kids Rock. All right, so let's do this. Let's talk television, guys. You know, I I had the 
fortune of many times, including this past summer, working in television, producing hard rock and heavy metal content, going way back to my VH1 days, to Talking Metal on Fuse, to working on the final seasons of That Metal Show, to more recently working on uh, Metal Crush for Sci-Fi, which was a series that was on over the summer. If you have missed those, I wrote and produced all those Whitney Moore was the host. They turned out great, man. They're up on YouTube, full episodes on YouTube. And then we kind of aired alternate content on the actual sci-fi channel. Uh, So, yeah, it was a great experience. And unfortunately, the president of the company, who was the guy I worked with and brought me in to do that, who is a friend of mine, he is no longer there. So I kind of doubt at this point they're going to bring those back which is a shame because they turned out great and we definitely had more ideas for them. But that's just how TV is. You know, I'm working at A&E Network, Networks now, um, kind of doing a more kind of behind-the-scenes job. It's a long story. Maybe I'll get into it some other time. But good, good, good gig. Happy to be there. That's what TV is. You jump from gig to gig, which isn't always ideal. But when you do have the gig, it usually pays pretty well. So no complaints at the at the current moment for for me but you know my dream was and i guess it still is to always you know produce and even host and be a part of hard rock and heavy metal tv content and i think now the time is just ripe for that with the streaming services and a couple of years back i think 2018 i did extensive research i was very close i wanted to get in a streaming app. I was kind of inspired by the night flight app. If you've seen that or experienced that and wanted to see what it would take to bring that content in a streaming, you know, Netflix style, Hulu style app form that you could watch on your couch or in your bed, watching your big screen TV, how that would actually play out. And it, I spent many, many hours on it. Even John helped me a little bit with it, John astronomy, but it was uh it was it was a lot of work and for the for the way it to happen like I wanted it to happen I thought and was told it would take a ton of money so I kind of abandoned those thoughts I I actually did reach out to some backers and I spoke with some big big people just to get their advice but just decided that it was um I wasn't, let's just put it this way, I wasn't about to mortgage my house to to make it happen because it cost a lot of money to get these outside companies to give you placement on Apple TV and Roku and all these other platforms. But I, I wish it would happen. You know, we've had Gimme Metal, which announced that they were bringing back Ricky Rackman in the ball. And I guess they've done an episode or two of that. But you can't see it anywhere. I mean, they're not on Apple TV. They're, they're not on Roku. They're not on Amazon Fire TV. So I, they, they're like, oh, you got to watch it on your phone and stream it on your TV. I don't know if you guys have done that. It's, it's not a smooth viewing experience. At least not for me. You know, text messages popping up. The screensaver goes on. You got to change your settings to this and that. It's a big freaking pain in the ass. What I want is an app that I can just watch. So luckily, people are people are working on this. Um, again, I kind of take took a step back from it. John keeps telling me I should go back and revisit it. But it was just too expensive, too much work. 
Um, I got my hands full with a family, a podcast, and a, and a, and a job. You know, so it's I, I I don't know I don't know, and I'm not I'm not somebody who's going to take out a three hundred thousand dollar loan to do something. It would even cost more than that to do what I the way I want to do it. Um, so we're going to talk to Chris about that because he's he's bold, man, and he's gonna he's gonna try something, and it sounds like. If he can pull it off, which I surely hope he he does, it could be very, very cool. So let's talk to Chris Aiken right now, and then I'm going to come back and talk some more about some other real cool content that's going on. Because, like I said, it is it is time for some sort of revolution. We need rock back on the TV. We see U2 and Guns N' Roses and Metallica filling stadiums, man. I mean, not during COVID, obviously. But people people love this music, you know? So why, when I turn on the Grammys or I turn on the MTV Music Awards, hardly anybody's even playing guitars anymore, man? I mean, I'm not even talking about just hard rock, man. No, no, one's, even, no one's even playing guitars. I, I like it when I see Taylor Swift play a guitar. Wow, somebody's playing a freaking instrument. Sure, it's a couple chords, you know? But I, I'm not going to knock anybody who is on a major platform singing and playing because there's a market for this stuff, man. There really is. And it's sad that the streaming outlets really aren't embracing it. I thought for sure Apple TV would. I mean, Apple music was in Apple's DNA, you know, going way back. But, uh, you know, they they really haven't with their original content. I mean, sure, they aired a Beastie Boys documentary, which was cool. Don't get me wrong, but it it's like we're not seeing a lot of music out of their original contents. But anyways, there is another company I want to talk about, Hit Parader, which has launched and they are doing some real cool content, video content. So we'll talk about that more on the flip side of this interview with Chris Aiken, who's going to tell us what he's planning to do to bring us some great streaming Content, hard rock and heavy metal content. Here we go. My conversation with Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show. Hey, it's Mark Striegel and checking in with us once again from the Classic Metal Show, Chris Aiken. Chris, how are you, man? Good, man. How you been? Been all right. Been hanging in there, staying busy. And I know you are always staying busy. I wanted to get an update from you about what's happening. Of course, the classic metal show. But I know you're doing you're doing other shows now, too, right? I am. I um, when the pandemic started, you know, I, I needed to keep more busy than than normal, I guess. Right. So I didn't go crazy. So I actually started just I went on this interview tear where I just, I started doing interview after interview after interview doing five, six, seven, ten a week. And out of it, I launched um, another podcast called Aftershocks TV. It's um, myself and uh, Matt Hartnett, who's also the co-host of um, Bob Nelbandian's Shockwave Skull right. Session podcast. Yes. Yep. And, um, and from there, it just kept growing. You know, we did, we started doing that and we did, we did, I think, 120 interviews in a year. Wow. And that's insane, man. That's it, great. It's, oh. it's been crazy how many we've done. And, but then, you know, I just kind of got the bug from there and I, I, I saw a lot of the censorship that's going on with the big tech stuff and I didn't want to yeah. get caught up in that. So I, I went ahead and just built my own, 
my own platform, which is uh, the CMS podcast network, cmspn.com, you know, and um, put my show on that and put aftershocks on that. And then I recruited a couple more shows, talk to me and um, pop its corner and now Bandian show as well. And, um, and so that led to yet another piece of the puzzle. And then now I, I have been graciously granted um, heavy metal television from uh, Eric Braverman, who started it eight years ago, and I'm getting ready to relaunch heavy metal television. Cool. I do want to talk about that because that sounds really exciting. And it sounds like something we need as heavy metal fans. But sure. before we go there, so you mentioned that some of, I forget exactly how you said it, but you, there's a lot of pushback and censorship, I guess is the word you used from mm -hmm. corporate. Can you go into that a little bit? Cause I, sure. in the last, last year experienced getting thrown off a of Spotify and iHeartRadio and had to kind of revamp the way I do my show and jump through all sorts sure. of hoops, get reinstated. I mean, and spend money doing it. It was a big pain in the ass, but is that what you're referring to or is it something yeah. else? It is. I, I mean, it, there's that piece of it. There's definitely, I, I'm imagining for you, it was about music content that, they, yes. yep. you know, and, and that's one piece of, you know, they, for whatever reason, they refuse to honor fair use, even if it is fair use. Um, right, right. So, you know, that's one piece of it. And then obviously we shake things up on classic metal show and, you know, some of the topics we talk about don't necessarily align politically with, you know, what right. YouTube is willing to, to let on their platform. So, you know, I, I just didn't want to lose my show is really what it came down to. And, you know, I am a tech, you know, first and foremost, one of, you know, one of my many businesses is as a owning an IT company. So I built my own platform. I built my own RSS feeds. I built my own, um, you know, distribution network for it. And, and, you know, I mean, we still have a YouTube channel and we still have a Facebook and, you know, all that other stuff, but, I went ahead and just built platforms for everything. I built our own social media thing, built it into our website so that I could say whatever I want and YouTube or Facebook or Twitter or whatever can't censor it. I just, I don't want to be censored. And, you know, I have the great fortune of being technical enough to where I can actually fight back a little bit instead of just accepting what they're giving. So, right on. yeah, I, I definitely did build it. To, yeah, and, and you know this, Mark, you know, us heavy metal guys, we're always rebels. So I'm never going to just bow down to the down and do what I'm told. I always have to rebel a little bit. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, for me, it was like, I had made this promise that I wouldn't continue the podcast if I couldn't play music. However, when it came down to making that decision, I, I ultimately had to kind of go back on that. So, sure. you know, we've eliminated all, all music from this show. So, and you know, the, the thing with Spotify is I do feel like it is becoming more of a destination for people who want mm -hmm. to get the shows. So eh, that's kind of, yeah. It, well, and, and if you use anchor, you know, just to give you a piece, if you use Anchor for as your podcast distribution, which is owned by Spotify, you can actually use music. You can right. you can put music pieces in on through Anchor. Now, I, I haven't done it, but I mean, we we do use Anchor as well. And um, and I haven't done it yet, but I, I do see that you can add music if you want to. So, yes, I've heard that. It does sound like it's a whole 
kind of uh, additional step and is a little mm. time consuming. But yeah, I have heard that. So something to look into definitely. But let's talk about what you mentioned earlier, because this is something I, I'll admit to you that I've actually kind of looked into building a app that would stream mm-hmm. heavy metal content and Ultimately, at the end of the day, somebody who's not probably as tech savvy as you, it seemed like it was going to be a tremendous amount of money. And I kind of bailed on the whole idea of it. So having said that, I do think this is a market or there's a there's an audience out there for something like this. And, you know, I wanted to hear about how you are going to go about doing this. This is a relaunch kind of. Yeah, I mean. It's been there. It's still there now. If you go to heavymetaltelevision.com, you can see just it just stream. It just plays videos right now. It's a jukebox. And um, Eric Braverman, who people know from Flotsam and Jetsam, and he did a Metallica um, documentary and stuff. I mean, Eric's a character, but he um, he launched this eight years ago and just didn't you know, didn't pursue it fully, I guess, you know, you know, he quickly learned that it was a lot more work than he was, you know, ready to do or was able to do or whatever. But um, I don't know, I I approached him about eight, 10 months ago and just said, Hey, let me, you know, if you're not going to really use this, let me use it. So he gave me the keys to the castle and said, you know, take it over, do what you want to do with it. So now I'm, I'm going to repackage it and I'm going to, I don't want to say I'm using the MTV model, but I'm using elements from the MTV model, the stuff that we grew up on. You know, I'm diff, I'm definitely going to have metal videos streaming, you know, most of the day. And I'm going to have shows, you know, little short shows, you know, that that are metal focused. And right now it's going to start with the video portions of the podcasts that are on my network to, you know, to show off different interviews of of bands and whatnot and we're gonna have band takeover shows you know i've already got a couple of those in the works we're gonna i'm gonna bring back the old news segments you know that you heard it here first news right and and i've been lining up various people to do that and some are famous some are not but you know and i i just want to kind of bring back that metal thing because i i you know, I, I see guys like Gene Simmons ranting on and on about how rock is dead, metal is dead and blah, blah, blah. And it's it's just not true. You know, there, there's a ton of it out there, but we're missing that element to deliver it to people the way you and I grew up. Get You know, we didn't know all these bands, but we heard them on MTV and we liked them and and we're like, oh, cool. You know, there's who is this band extreme or whatever. And then we'd see the video and then we'd go buy the album. That was how it worked. So. Yeah. You know, I, that's kind of what I'm looking to do is to is to put it out there once again and I'm going to build it, you know, the tech side of me is going to do it the right way. It's it's going to be online and it's going to be on um on Roku and it's going to be on Amazon Fire Sticks, it's going to be on Apple TV. So there'll be channels for it just like Netflix or whatever today. You'll literally be able to just log in and watch watch heavy metal television. Right. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there. What you just said, let's, let's start with, you know, the Gene Simmons rock is dead thing. I'm, I'm with you to a, to a point because I think it's all about the outlets don't cover this. I mean, I watched part of the Grammys last night, why I don't know, but uh, I, I did it and it, just everything like hard rock is completely removed. It is such a, it as an old rock guy. And I would hope, 
for younger people too. It just looked like such a foreign in, environment to me and completely ignoring even the Van Halen tribute I thought was, was lame. I mean, it should have been something much bigger and mm-hmm. better. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I think part of the issue is that we don't have outlets for this community to thrive. So I think what you're planning to do sounds really exciting. And it also sounds like a a hell of a lot of work. And let's talk about watching it. You said I have Apple TV. So what would I do? Would I go download the heavy metal television app to watch it? Is that how it's going to happen? That's how it's going to be. Do I have to pay for that? Like what? No, Nope. It's going to be, I mean, I mean, it's going to be, I'm going to run it like a television network. There's going to be sponsors. There's going to be commercials. You know, I mean, it's not going to be 24 seven, no breaks. Everything's free. And I, you know, and I shift six grand a year into, into paying licensing fees. You know, I, right. I obviously have to, I have to sell it and I'm going to sell it the right way. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to definitely, I've got an ad team that I'm putting together and I'm going to have them doing their work to, to make it, to make it go. I do not want to charge for it at all. I do not want to have, I want people to be able to watch it just like we did in the old days. Yeah. I mean, technically, yeah, we paid a cable company or something, but you know, for me and you in today's metal head that doesn't get fed a lot of metal, you know, daily, I want there to be an app. I want there to be an app on any system that you have Roku, Amazon, Apple, you know, what, whatever, NVIDIA, I and I will make those things available so that people can definitely just you install the app and just just like you do now with your Apple TV. You want to watch a movie on Netflix, you click Netflix and you watch it. You right. Know, same yeah. exact concept is what I'm going to have there. And it is, you know, from the research I did, it is costly and expensive to get your apps into all these different platforms. Um, I was enjoying an app called Night Flight, which had a lot of really cool old shows on it. But then when I switched from Amazon Fire over to Apple TV, it wasn't there. So and I know that's because to get on all these different platforms, there's different things you have to do. Um, So to hear that it's going to be on all these platforms is incredible. And I will go a little bit further. I mean, I think free is great, but listen, I pay for, you know, Netflix and Disney and Hulu. I was paying for night flight for a while. I would, I would be happy to pay five bucks a month to stream content about the music that I love. I, I think that's, that's, you know, a no brainer for me. Believe me, I I've looked into it and I've thought about it. And, and the, the real negative to it is people are so used to free right now with, with Spotify or YouTube music or just YouTube in general, that it is hard to convince them to do it. I know that I know us hardcores will do it, but you know, getting, getting, I may get there at some point. I I'll just be honest. It may get there at some point where I have like a premium tier and a free tier. I'm, I'm thinking more on that level than just making it a straight, you know, a straight tier. What I might do is just have a non-commercial tier and a commercial tier and, and do it that way. I, you know, I, I don't know yet. I, I really have to see how it develops, but in the end, you know, there, there's a lot of pieces to start charging for it. You know, one of one of the big hurdles I'm having right now is getting a lot of the labels on board. And, you know, if I don't have all of the metal labels immediately on board, 
it's pretty hard to charge people when they're watching, you know, a lot of bands that they don't know. So, right. you know, there, there's, there, it's going to be a work in progress. Believe me, I don't think, I don't think when I actually launch it here in a couple of months that it's going to be like, well, this is the final product and this is how it's always going to be. It's going to, it's going to definitely develop over time. But what I'm hopeful of is that unlike, unlike other platforms that have tried and, and fallen apart, you know, this is being run by somebody that loves metal and loves the, loves the product and is not just money hungry. You know, I make, I make money from my other gigs, so I'm not, I'm not, the focus is not the finance and I hope that's going to leave it open for me to make a better product first before I really start, you know, acting like a business guy and, and really crack it down on it. Right on. Cool. And as far as the actual content goes, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you mentioned music videos and I suppose we would see a music video by like a new artist that's out on frontiers, black Swan or something like that. Sure. Then would we also see classic corporate metal mm-hmm. videos? Like would we see one by Metallica or something like that? Is that something that's in the cards or is that just something that's too hard to get the rights to? It's not that hard to get the rights to really. I mean, if they've released it and I mean, Metallica would be hard, but um, for the most part, you can, if you reach out and you make a deal with, you know, the, and I don't want to get too businessy, but you, all these companies have distribution outlets, whether it's the orchard or blood blast or whatever. If you work out a deal with those distribution networks, they're going to provide you whatever you ask for that they distribute. And um, you know, so yeah, there will be, there will definitely be, it's not going to only be new stuff. Like even if you go there right now, there's stuff by like Dio and Sabbath and ACDC and whatnot. And, and we're already paying, I mean, we're paying the licensing, so nobody's going to really complain as long as you're pay, paying the licensing for it. I know there's, you know, certain bands and certainly ACDC is one that I probably need to look into, but um, you know, there, there's, for the most part, if you're paying the licensing, nobody's really complaining has been the, the methodology that I've been told. And then, you know, and I'm trying to go from there to doing, getting the distribution deals with the right distribution networks. And, you know, so yeah, you would, to answer your question, I know I'm talking a lot, but yeah, you are definitely going to, going to see old classic videos as well as, as well as new stuff. Very cool. You know, it's interesting. I interviewed Ricky Rackman recently (laughs) and he mentioned that he is, he thinks I I haven't heard any further news on it, but he thinks he's kind of going to bring back the headbangers ball and call it the ball. But it sounded like his uh, platform for doing it was, he wasn't ready to announce it. And I'm not sure he has a platform ready, but it would be, it would be great if we could bring back some of that you know, classic vibe that we used to get from that show or even people like that on Mm -hmm. the, the channel. Um, What shows are you thinking could appear on the network down the road? Well, I I mean, like like I said, at the start, I'm going to have the the various shows that I have on my platform, on my podcast platform, because we all do video shows. So it's going to, you'll obviously, we're going to have the a best of the classic metal show segment, just like an hour. And it'll just be like a musical segment every week. It will not be all the political nonsense and all the other stuff that we do. It'll just be the musical type segment there. And then we're going to have talk to me on there, which is more 
more of your modern metal type of stuff, your, sure. you know, your five finger death punch and whatnot on his show. Um, we're we're going to have Bob Nalbandian's um, shockwave skull sessions, which is going to be kind of like your historical look at metal, your seventies and early eighties type stuff. Um, you're going to have pop its corner, which focuses primarily on like extreme thrash and death metal and um, aftershocks, which kind of fills in the blanks of everything that I just listed. You know, we interview everything from, rock bands to modern bands and everything in between. So I'm going to have those shows at the start, um, depending on how, how quickly the labels and the label distributions come together. I'm going to have um, two other shows that I'm planning to launch. I already have a host for one of them. Um, that's going to be like a new music or a new video, like half hour to an hour show each week of just new video, not necessarily new bands, but new videos, whether it's, whether it's September morning or Saxon, you know, if they right. have a new video, we'll run that. And then I have a, another show that's I'm, I'm working on putting together and don't hold me to this name. It won't stick because it sounds dated and old, but for the mo for the moment, I'm calling it more than words, which is going to be a half hour each week of just lyric videos, because those are important today. And they're, they're su super, super prevalent everywhere. It seems like every band that, every band that does a release. Now they have a three video run up to their album and the, the middle video is usually a lyric video. So, you know, I want to, you know, the bands, again, they're spending money on these things to get them produced. So why not focus on them? And, and they are getting better. You know, it's not, it's not like the, when they first started doing lyric videos where it's just words on a, on a screen, a lot of them have cool backgrounds and stuff. So, so those are the six that I'm looking at to start. And then, I'm going to have bands that are going to do like takeover shows where they can, you know, they can, they'll have like a two hour block to play videos and, you know, do some, some intros and outros and promote their wares and whatnot. And um, there's also going to be concerts that are going to be on it. Some, some pre-recorded, some live, you know, I've actually worked out a, a deal with a studio to do some live performance stuff right on heavy metal television. So there's a lot of sh there's a lot of programming in the works, so it's it's coming together. It's just it's really exciting. I'm I'm yeah. as a viewer, I'm can't wait. I can't wait. When are we thinking, Chris, that this will hit? Um, it looks pretty much like February fifteenth. Um, okay. Uh, you know, I I have some some legal stuff that I have to take care of first, and um, and I actually hired a publicist to to handle promoting it. That's another thing that. I, I thought that heavy metal television, I thought when I, when it first launched eight years ago, I thought it had a great, you know, I thought it would be great then, but it wasn't promoted properly or enough or whatever. And so I went, I went and I hired a publicity firm to, to help me with, with the publicity. I, I mean, I know a lot of people, but I don't know everybody. And, right. and I just figured it's probably better if I just go with a publicist and let them promote it. And I'll just tell them what I want to promote every week. So so, you know, I, I, I literally do have a team in place to kind of try and launch this thing. And it's, um, I, I would say February or February, May 15th is a, is a pretty hard, hard launch date is what it looks like at this point. Okay. So yeah, you said February, but you're talking May, May, May okay. 15th, May yeah. 15th. Okay. This year. Great. Very cool. I cannot wait. And I will be watching for sure, man. And let's see, you did, you said over a hundred some interviews this past year. What are some of the ones that jump out as your favorites? Um, I interviewed a band called, called Workings. 
this was probably but this is one of my favorites of all time and no i know nobody knows this band but um they're one of these like theatrical bands from sweden norway switzerland somewhere somewhere over there and um the guy he postponed on me twice because he didn't have his costume he wanted to do the interview in full costume and in full full um character <laughs> and the character is as a um that he's a he's a norwegian viking or something <laughs> nice <laughs> and so he came in in character and i just every question i asked him i stayed in character with him i nice. asked him questions about vikings and if he watched the vikings tv show if it made him feel like he was watching home movies and you know, <laughs> you know i just literally went into character with this guy and asked him who would win in a fight between them and guar you know right, right. <laughs> I, I just went into full character mode and and just did that and that was that was probably my most fun i've had in a while doing interviews but you know they're oh. all fun i'm i you know i like interviewing the old guard being honest, I like interviewing the new guard a lot more because they're just so much more excited and, and interesting and less jaded. You know, they're, they're way more willing to just tell you what's really going on. So, you know, bands like Diabology, who I interviewed recently, they're a thrash band out of LA, just good kids, young, you know, like 20, 21 year old young kids. Um, Mariah Formica from the band Plush interviewed her. She's, she's a sweetheart and, you know, again, has a lot of energy and a lot of excitement toward the project. So a lot of cool stuff, man. It's been it's been a fun year and I certainly cool. have interviewed a ton of bands. That's awesome. And I think what you hit upon there at the end with younger bands being out there, and that's something I've been preaching uh, for a while now that we can't just have, you know, 50 60 70 year old guys up there on stage it's just not sexy you know we need we need the young kids up there rocking in order to keep this art form alive and that's why i'm really excited for the relaunch of heavy metal television because it sounds like we're going to get the classic stuff but there's also going to be something that helps push the up-and-coming artist sure yeah, I mean, it's, awesome gonna, stuff. it's it's definitely going to be mix of old and new and, and, you know, just like the old MTV and the old Headbangers Ball. Right on. I'm pushing the new. I want the new <laughs> stuff. I want the I want the you know, I, I want to see metal continue. I don't think I don't think it died, you know, with corn and disturbed. I think there's been a ton of new music and just people don't realize it's there. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Chris, always great talking with you. And please keep us posted on heavymetaltelevision.com. It sounds like the apps are on the way for Apple yep. TV, Roku, and all that. Yeah. I will be one of the first to download it as soon as it's awesome. available and start watching. Yeah. Can't wait. And if, and if heavy metal, tell it just real quick, heavymetaltelevision.com is the, um, is the actual channel itself. Like if you don't want to, if you don't want to see what's going on on the channel at all, you just go to heavymetaltelevision.com and it loads in full screen and you hit play yeah. and it's playing on your screen. If you want the information about the shows and highlights from the shows and you know, there, there's a bunch of little video things on the, on the site itself, that's heavymetaltelevision.net. Oh, so, okay. All right. Cool. .net for info.com. If you just can't wait and you want to go and it's actually live in a beta right now, if people want to check it out. So by all means go. Cool. We'll link them through the show notes at talkingmetal.com and Chris Aiken of the classic metal show and many other fun things like heavy metal television. Cannot wait. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, man. 
Always good to catch up with Chris. Thanks for joining me, Chris. And we will have the the site, the streaming site that you are working on linked through the show notes. And we can't wait to see where you go with it. Please keep us posted. I, I personally think you got a, a lot of work cut out for you. But man, if anybody can pull it off, I'm sure it's you because you, you definitely uh, got some drive and a hard work ethic. So good luck, my friend. And please keep me posted. Uh, another good friend of mine, Josh Bernstein, he has, along with Matt Pinfield and some other cool people, has has launched a new production company called Hit Parader, and they are a content creation company, and they have money behind them. Josh is a good friend of mine. We hang out a lot um, and drink and talk rock here in Maplewood, New Jersey, where we both live, and he just wrapped the first season of a show that he is producing for Hit Parader, the production company Hit Parader, not really connected to the old Hit Parader, but they have that name and it's called No Cover and it is awesome. I know bands that have been on it, they wrapped it just recently in Los Angeles and basically what happens is bands get up there and they play no cover songs. It's strictly originals. And, you know, sure, in the vein of The Voice or American Idol, they're they're voted onward, they're given advice, they're critiqued by a panel of judges, which is like Gavin from Bush and Alice Cooper and Lizzie Hale and some a host of other people who are up there as judges. And it's rock, man. Rock is back. And I asked Josh, I said, well, where is this going to air? Are you guys going to get an app on Apple TV or what? And they're still working on that. They, I guess, have an Amazon Fire channel ready to go. Um, but I, maybe I shouldn't even say that. We'll, we'll wait to find out where we can see this. I also think it's a good possibility they could just simply shop it once it's produced and get picked up by, you know, an actual station like Access or something like that but I cannot wait to see no cover produced by Hit Parader Josh Bernstein one of the producers on that and he used to be the creative director at Revolver back in the day and he also ran the site called Loud Loudwire for a long time so always doing something he's got his hands on a lot of stuff real great guy so cannot wait to see no cover and yeah man and that's that's what we got to do we got to get some apps on Apple TV and it sounds like Chris Aiken gets this. He's not like the people that give me give me metal who think people are going to actually stream stuff off their phone and onto their TV and enjoy it like that. So, there you go. Uh Chris, hopefully he'll keep us posted and I'll keep you posted on what I hear about uh the Hit Prater content that's coming out and and hopefully, you know, listen, Gimme Metal, if they can get it together and get an app going, I think that that's the way to go. The more the merrier, the more content we have to enjoy, the better high-end content, I think, is uh, is key, too. And that's, I know, what Hit Parader is going to bring us, some really produced stuff that is uh, sounds really exciting. I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see what Chris Aiken is up to with his heavy metal TV stuff, too. So here we go. We are going to talk to Adam from FU Tone. And FU Tone is a company that just builds great, great stuff for your guitar. And we're going to have Adam explain that to us.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and we are talking with Adam Reaver of a great company, FU Tone, a guy who's worked on one of my, at least one of my guitars, and has worked on so many guitars that uh, it, it's just unbelievable. I can see them behind him in the Zoom call that we currently have going on here. And Adam, great to see you, man. How are you? I am good. It is always great to see you. And if you remember, do you remember the last time I saw you? I was trying to think. I mean, I know we are always running into each other backstage. Forget there was the, the Prudential Center. Uh, Forget the okay. shows. Okay. Forget the shows. I'll refresh your memory. So we, we do always bump into each other at shows everywhere, tri-state area. But I was walking through Penn Station like okay. a year ago. Right. And you were on the phone. And I literally walked right past you and I stopped and walked backwards. Yeah. And gave each other like the bro hug. Right, right. And then we, you had to go on your call. I had to get on a train. And yeah. It was like a two second flyby. I was like, oh, it was so nice to see him. Right, right. I do, I do remember that. Yeah. I, I feel like I was in an intense conversation on you the were. phone. Yeah. I'm not sure. You were. <laughs> but I do remember that. And it is great to catch up with you again. And I'm real hopeful that the next time I see you will be at a show because at our normal venue. We'll bump into yeah. each other at catering somewhere and be like, dude, <laughs> yeah. dude. Right on. So when I was working as one of the producers on that metal show on their, their final run of shows, I got to know you because I was doing this thing called that metal gear. And it was like just about every artist we talked to when we go through the guitar, we'd get to your gear on their guitar. So, and I, I mean, you've worked with so many different people all the way up to the top Eddie Van Halen, who, of course, we got to talk about what you've done with him. But let's start off with you. How did you get into working on guitars? What's a little bit of your history? If we could, I know it's a long history and there's a lot there, but give us the three to four minute bio if you can. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a very brief intro to it. And it's interesting. And I, I was talking about this the other day with someone. I had just moved to a new high school Um I didn't know a person in there. I was, I was horrified. And I'm walking through the halls and I find the other long hair kid in the school. Right. And we kind of just like, hey, hey, you know, the long hair bro thing. And we started hanging out and he played guitar and he got me into it. I'll save that longer story for a, another day. But I, uh, I got into it with, with this friend in, in my first year of high school who went on to become a, a giant in the guitar industry. And we were kids in the 80s. So to give you a, an idea, this was 1981 okay. when, I, when I met him. So ninth grade, 1981. And I think that was a turning point year that era where guitars really started to change. I was going to, I was actually going to say that same thing. I mean, 81, 82, we really saw. That was the revolution. I call yeah. it the revolution. Before that, you had a Fender Strat or a Gibson Les Paul, and then everything else was like a C brand. You know, it was all just like knock off this and junk and this and that for the most part. And that's when it started to turn. And that's when guys started to build a better mousetrap. That's when guys like 
Wayne Charvel and Grover Jackson, you know, and these guys started making better guitars and companies like ESP were coming on. And, you know, you had, you had Hamer and Kramer and, you know, Ibanez was, was coming on and the tide started turning, man. And it wasn't, you know, the big stars weren't just playing the two big brands anymore, but these companies were based on hot rodding and building a better mousetrap, building a better guitar, making it do things. And I think that entire industry was born out of one guy. And you already mentioned, you know, Eddie Van right. Halen, who just said, you know, I want something more. This doesn't do what I needed to do. And I think what he did on his own with just, you know, the first Frankenstein guitar and, you know, shoving a, a humbucker into a Strat style guitar and, you know, getting that whole vibe going, that created an entire industry and, and spawned, you know, hundreds of imitators and guys chasing it. But the guitars started to change and the guitars of the guitar heroes of that era when you look back and you, you look at, you know, like the Martinis and the Lynches and, you know, the guys that really, the um, Randy Rhodes and, you know, these guys weren't playing, you know, the same stuff off the shelf that right. everyone that came before them played. But so, back to you, back to you. Yeah, so so that, you're, you're in high time. school, right? Yeah. And, and I start playing guitar with this friend of mine and I bought my first guitar which was a cheap $200 Hondo Flying V. And somewhere in my archives of pictures, I'll, I'll find the picture of this. The only thing left of that guitar was the, the wood. You know, it was, you know, a changed pickup. I, I had a Duncan Invader in the bridge. I put a Mighty Might triple coil in the neck. I had a Kaler tremolo. I right. had changed knobs, changed to... Da, 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 da. I spent How old are you time. at this time? You, you're still a freshman in high school or a little yeah, beyond 14, that? Yeah, 14, 15, yeah. right oh, around okay. there. Those two years, those first two years. And I spent even more time tinkering with my guitar than I did playing it. And, you know, thank God, because it became my career later. Yeah. I would take it apart, put it back together. I would, I would change a part. I would mess something up. I would break it. I would ruin it. And, you know, out of necessity, need to figure out how to fix it. And back then, we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have instructions. The companies hung you out to dry. They didn't tell you anything. And we were just kids sitting in the garage with a couple of basic hand tools messing with guitars. Seeing what Trying happens. to get yeah. it to do different yeah. stuff. It, it, it's, it really is amazing. And in some ways, you know, setting up a guitar or even learning your favorite guitar solo of a song, a lot of kids don't realize that, yeah, back in those days, we were doing stuff like slowing down the record or, or I'm sure you were doing all that too, but you were also you were probably experimenting with guitars. And I can imagine that there were a lot of mistakes that you did on guitars back in those ruined days. Ruined a ton of shit. Yeah, Ru yeah. Ruined a ton of shit. And, you know, you, you it was learning trial by fire. You know, you just, you took a shot. You took a shot to try to figure it out, you know, especially when all the crazy tremolo stuff started coming out and, you know, how do you make this work? How do, how come, how do you make it float level? How do you make, how do you intonate it? Right. How do you get it to play right and stay in tune? You know, it was a mystery because like I said, the companies didn't help you, you know, you, it was like, here's your stuff. Have a nice day. Right. Good luck. Right on. 
Right on. So at what point do you go from messing around with your own guitar to maybe working on a buddy's guitar or or helping some of the local bands out? Like what's the next phase? It's it's funny because I was so late to the game as a player. And like I said, so my my new best friend in high school was already miles a, a, above where I was, obviously as a player, and I'm just learning to play. But I'm hanging out, you know, I'm hanging out at dudes band practices, you know, this and that. Then I finally got my first band, you know, which was like the shitty band. But but I was still, (laughs) you're in that circle. These are your boys. These are your friends. And we all shared information. Everyone was everyone was supportive and and tried to help each other. And, And, you know, there was, you know, not that, you know, secretive society of like, I know this and you don't. You know, and we just, I'm like, oh my God, man, I, I learned how to change a pickup. Let me show you, you right. know, let me show yeah. you how to solder these three wires to the yeah. spot. You know, it sounds funny now, but that was a big deal then. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a monster thing. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I was never at the level you were, but I remember specifically going down to my dad's tool tool chest and you know soldering cords and 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 wires and stuff and and it you know there's such an excitement to the whole process and and a mystery i think is something that you were kind of touching upon there and so at what at what point does it kind of shift to well okay this this is something that could maybe become lucrative something i can start building as a career Fast forward a bunch of bunch of years, okay, um, and and I was fortunate enough to be involved and do work on the EVH D tuner, the drop D. Sure, yeah. Uh, I to talk about that. yeah. There was there was three of us involved in that, and that w- that was a huge turning point because we we took this thing that you know it sometimes worked, it kind of worked, you had to, and then we figured out how to make it work for the masses. You know, first we had to ma- figure out how to make it work for him. And then and then how to make it like a commercial piece, the piece that it is today. And that became obviously what you know, what it is today. That opened a lot of doors. You know, I always tell guys, that's kind of like, it's like that scene in Goodfellas. It's like being in the mob, but where he takes that girl out, where he takes the girlfriend out to dinner and like parks right in front, you know, walks in the side door, cuts through the kitchen. They set up a table, a bottle of champagne and a light appear on the table and he's sitting side stage. Right. Once that D tuna was successful and was a thing you, I was like in. So a lot of that opened a lot of other doors and gave me a lot of freedom. What what approximate year was the D tuna invented i guess it was 90 90 91ish right there right. okay it's, wow okay that's the patent and and then we were doing it when he was at music man on his personal guitars and it didn't go commercial until the first run of pv wolfgang guitars so you said there was three guys involved in kind of coming up with this piece of equipment that- yeah it was me one other guy and obviously eddie who yeah. was you know the the you you took direction and idea from him you know where you brainstorm you go oh here's this does this and that does this 
He's like, well, why don't you just do this? Right. Oh yeah. That's, that's, and it it was a process. It was a process. And, you know, obviously he, he took the lead uh, being who he is. And I, I remember early on making prototypes and we would, set up a bunch of guitars and one day there was like four or five guitars there and he said to me this one's perfect that one sucks that does this no 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 he goes make everything like that and points to that first one wow you know you just followed him because obviously he knew forget what a great guitar player he was um his innovations in guitar building his thought process in guitar building were equal. I mean, like a modern day Les Paul, you know, just changed the game on how guitars are literally manufactured today. Right. Yeah. And I I think I may have shared it with you. Maybe you shared it with me. Somebody shared it with me. Eddie Van Halen went to visit Ted Templeman not that long ago. Like I, I want to say... I guess what two two thousand nineteen, late two thousand nineteen, or something, and he was at Ted's uh, apartment, and Ted had an old broken down guitar laying on the floor, and he said the next thing he knew, Eddie Van Halen was said, "You got a Phillips head," and was like working on the guitar. That's just that was, how, yeah. Greg, I think it was Greg Renoff who Greg told Renoff. Yeah. Greg Greg is a, a spectacular guy who is a wealth of information and and just it's great to hear things that I've never heard. You know, because Greg is like that kind of historian guy. But yeah, I heard that story and and I read that. And when I read it, I went, yeah, that's that's, that's how he. Yeah. that's exactly how he was. So you working with Eddie was obviously a game changer in your, in your life, your career. How does a guy approach Eddie? Like how, how did you get to know him? How did you get to work on this innovative piece of equipment with him? It's a, it's a great question. And the same guy in the story that I told earlier that got me to play guitar in high school was his guy and worked for him. And made that introduction and still, you know, that's still my, my best friend of 40 years. Uh, can you and, say who that is? Or He's not an internet guy and he hates all this shit. Fair enough. So, but yeah, I respect an that. industry yeah. guy that lays off the radar that is probably the most brilliant tone gear guy I know. Right on, right on. And Nowadays, though, there are so many people that are endorsing your equipment and using your equipment. I'd love to talk about some of these other players that, I mean, are just my heroes along, of course, with Eddie. But Warren Martini, a guy who, honestly, Adam, he does zero interviews. He used to do interviews, but like a guy, uh, interview hunter like myself, always looking to interview my idols. No one can get this guy to talk. What is your relationship with Warren? How did you first meet Warren? And can you share any stories about how he likes his guitar set up or just anything about Warren? Because I'm crazy for Warren. Warren is on my Mount Rushmore of guitar. And if if you have asked me in high school or all the way through or even up to, to today, you know, my my one and two on my Mount Rushmore are Warren and Eddie. And I, w- I was so fortunate, you know, along the way 
after, you know, the company was growing and I, I had a really great uh, stable of, of artists and all my heroes and guys I love. And then, you know, about halfway through, a friend of mine was working for Warren and introduced me. Okay. And he said, you know, this is Adam. We hit it off pretty quick. And I said, I'm going to put this one part in your guitar. And he's looking at me like, don't you dare, you know, no. Yeah. And he's like, my guitar sounds perfect. And I go, I'll, I'll put it in. And if you don't love it, I'll take it right out. And we're still friends. I don't care. I go, I'm just happy, you know, and, yeah. and we did it and he liked it. And we, we clicked and we went on and on. And then we, over the years, we became friends. And I, I just like Eddie, I look at Warren like, wow. I mean, this guy is just for me as a guitar player, you know, just the pinnacle of, of playing and as a guy, the nicest guy. And we started working together more. And then I went out to LA and I went to his house. And I remember one day we were working on the famous snake guitar wow. and we were, we were testing a lot of different parts and, you know, we would, I would put on a combination of parts and first he recorded the guitar as is. And I'm like, wow, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do to this. And then, then I put on a different configuration. We recorded the same things. We put on a different, I did five different configurations of parts on the same guitar. And he recorded the guitar each time. So by the end of the day, he, um, we were listening back to everything and decide I had made notes of which tracks were, you know, which parts, and we narrowed it down to two. And he said to me, he goes, well, which one do you think sounds better? And I, I said, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I go, it's your right. guitar. Right. Who cares what I think? You're Warren Martini. And he goes, I like this one. And that's what I liked. And it was for me, again, like working with Eddie, like working with so many other guys that I grew up, you know, going to their concerts, posters on my wall, sleeping in parking lots to buy tickets. Yeah, to the shows. man, I, I remember. And now I'm sitting Where'd you grow there, up, like, man? Yeah, and then I'm sitting there, like, playing guitar with them or working on their guitar. I, I've been doing this a long time. I pinch myself every time yeah. and go, like, I still don't believe this. And Warren is one of those guys. And yeah, he's, he's, he doesn't do a lot of interviews. He, he's an elusive guy. I think he's a very private guy. And, you know, I could tell you as a person, he's just a stellar human. He's so pleasant and nice and zero ego and just the nicest guy. And then I watch him play guitar, you know, or I'll go out and tech for him here and there yeah. as a favorite help out. And I stand there with my jaw on the floor. Like, I don't believe what I'm saying. Yeah. And just so much personality that guy has oh, on the guitar. It's amazing. ridiculous. Um, I do want to really plug the company and the website and all that, because I, I urge any guitar player out there to get their hands on some of this stuff that you make. And let's, let's, uh, but first let me ask you, where did you grow up Adam? I grew up in Northeast Philadelphia. Okay. Um, like still Philadelphia, but not the city Philadelphia. And then when I moved, like I said, right at the beginning of high school, I moved to a suburb called Abington. So, Abington. okay. And now I'm, you know, in the next couple of suburbs over in that area. Yeah. 
the Empire Rock Club. I'm sure you spent some. Listen, some the Empire, <laughs> the Empire was my hunting ground as a teenager. You know, that was our like, you know, what Lemoore's was to Brooklyn and what all the L.A. clubs. We had the Empire and the Philly bands. And, you yeah, know, I saw quite our, a few shows at the Empire. I, uh, I yeah. lived in the Princeton area for a while. So we would sometimes venture down there to see. I remember seeing Flotsam and Jetsam there, Heaven's oh. Edge, like Britney Fox. Britney Fox, yeah. Cinderella. Yeah, I never, I, I never saw Cinderella there, but yeah, I'm, yeah, for sure, yeah. You know, and then the New York bands would like slip down. You know, you would you would get a White Lion, and you know, yeah. the, all the New York guys would we would go back and forth. The Empire was our, you know, was our home ice for our. It was equal to Lemoore's and Princeton. Right I'm right across the water, the, so Fu Tone is in Washington Crossing. And so, oh, okay. so literally a stone's throw over the water to yeah. Princeton. I'm down there uh, frequently. My mom lives in Frenchtown. And, oh, dude, come to the yeah. office. I'm right yeah, I, I will. I will take you up on that for sure. My brother's in, he was in New Hope. Now he's in Doylestown. So a lot of family down right there. there. But the website, fu-tone.com. And on the website, you have all your products and can you talk about some of your other products? We've mentioned the, the D tuna, which of course you designed with Eddie and one other person who shall remain nameless, but what are some of the other products you could tell us about? FU tone started out as a tremolo upgrade company. So the core of my business is making upgraded better parts for locking tremolos, all locking tremolos you know, from Ibanez to Goto to the Floyd to this, to that, all of them. And the main, the main component is the block underneath the tremolo. It was, it was the first thing I did and it was the weakest link in the chain of all tremolos, even non-locking tremolos like Stratocaster tremolos, which I make an upgrade block for that as well. The block underneath the tremolo is usually A, too small, too thin, made of, of shit, well, can I curse made of crappy material that just doesn't resonate and sound good. So what I did was I made the block bigger to fill out the cavity. Then I made it of more resonant materials like brass, like copper, like titanium to give different sounds and more resonance from the block. I moved out to the rest of the components of the tremolo, like the saddle inserts. So instead of cheap metal that, you know, expands, cracks, or gets stuck in the saddle. I do titanium. I do naval brass, you know, colored titaniums. I do the posts in titanium, the screws, springs. So the springs that rattle and and make a reverb noise through your signal the entire time, I make silent springs and heavier duty springs. Then I went to the claw, cheap pop metal. We do it in brass. We do it in titanium, on and on and on until... It sounded better, it functioned better. And then I went on to design and make my own complete tremolo unit. That was the core for locking. Then I went to, like I said, Stratocaster trems. I have stuff for hardtails, Les Pauls and Tellies and um, acoustic guitars. So instead of cheap plastic bridge pins, I make brass titanium. It just makes your guitar resonate, sound better, more definition, more sustain, more clarity. That's right the on. entire mission of FU Tone. Now, are there guitars that come 
with your products installed on them or is yes. it is it okay for the most part you add it and i'll tell you why so just like i talked about the revolution in the 80s where you had guys like wayne charvel and grover jackson trying to build a better mousetrap they made a better guitar well that guitar costs more money to make they used better wood. They made it here. They took more care. They had better paint. They bought better pickups. They bought better tuners. They built a better mousetrap, but guess what? It cost more money. So guy, I have a, I have a million guys that are still trying to build a better mousetrap, a ton of boutique builders that will call me up and go, you know, I'm building a better mousetrap. I need a better bridge than I yeah. can buy everywhere else. And we design a bridge for this and that. Um, the bigger companies will offer it through the custom shop because it's an a more expensive option. Ah, Some of the bigger companies, you know, it's, it's not about, is it the best there is? Well, no, it's about how much money can we make? Right. And I, I, under I understand that and I get it. I, I had a big meeting with a big company two weeks ago for a huge artist. They're doing a, so I have a huge artist that uses my parts on his bridge. They're, it's a new company for him. They're going to build a signature guitar. They said, well, we need what's on his guitar for this expensive signature guitar. And I had a meeting with them and I sent them, you know, the pricing. And they're like, that's ridiculous. I go, well, that's what your guy uses. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you know, we could get a cheaper version of that. I'm like, you can, but that's what your guy uses. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I do understand the disconnect of commerce and art and big business and big box and widgets and spreadsheets. Whereas what they will never understand is I get 10 emails a day, 10 calls, 10 this of going, I just bought a so-and-so signature guitar. I know he uses your stuff. What's on his guitar? Because that's what I'm going to put on my guitar. Yeah you know, and fill in the blank of any artist on the roster who has a signature guitar, I get that message. And I go, well, here's what so-and-so uses. And they buy it anyway. Yeah. And, you know, I, it's, it is an expensive option, but I, I do repeat this every day as well. I go, Ferraris are expensive too. Yeah, sure. You want to know why they're expensive? Because they're awesome. Yeah. That's why they're expensive. I got to ask you just, this is, somewhat random and we are going to have to wrap it up soon but there's always been this not always but i've heard some people argue between wireless and a cord and which sounds better now i've noticed even with my headphones when they're bluetooth i swear they don't sound as good as the wired headphones do you do you believe that that you can get a better sound out of a guitar when it is wired to an to an amp 100% yes, okay. in my opinion. Yeah, there's great wirelesses that sound great and they do good. And 99.5% of the people on the other side of the speaker don't know the difference of what they're listening to. Right. But I know the guy with the guitar over his shoulder does. And yeah, it does. And I, I'll give you a very brief Eddie story. One day we were doing a thing and we had a couple of different cables. It was a dealer demo at a NAM thing. And he came in and he played the guitar and he hooked up the first cable and he hooked up the second. And the cables weren't even that far apart, you know, yeah. lengthwise. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. Back to the shorter cable, you know, major really? difference. You wow. Know? 
dog hearing for sure. And I, I, I've got guys on the roster that definitely have dog hearing. I prefer the sound of the cable, of course. Yeah. You know, and, it's, and it's, it's just amazing. All these little things you mentioned, the springs in, in, you know, in the tremolo system, all this stuff adds to the sound. It's know, a link a in your chain. Everything yeah. is a link in your chain. They're not all the same size link, but they're a link. You know, think about this. Think about if you had, you know, a, a $10,000 boutique guitar, some spectacular amp that you always wanted, some vintage amp. You had these great boutique pedals and you hooked it up with that $2 cable that comes with a, a, a Sears guitar. Yeah. You know, you're. it's a weak link in your chain. You know, there's a, I sell, I sell some, I resell a lot of items on my site that I think are quality items. There's a company that makes a really expensive power cable. So from your, the back of your amp to the wall. And I took a regular cable, like you would plug like that Marshall behind you, right. you know, there's a regular cable that I have a million of them laying around here. And then I played the amp with a guitar. I pull the cable. I did, it's called wire world. I, I plug in this expensive power cable. It's like you got out of you know, a, a Hyundai and got into a Ferrari. It right. makes it everything in your chain makes a difference. Right. Wow. That's, and that, that is a good place to end it, but I do have one, one last question. You are tuned in to the guitar playing world. And a lot of these guys that we love and that you've done work with from, you know, George Lynch to Eddie Van Halen to Warren D. Martini to Gary Holt, all, all people you've done work with and dozens and dozens of others, which you, you guys can all see on futone.com. But are there any, what, what's that? Futone. Thank you. Futone.com. Are there any youngins who are really blowing you away right now that maybe you're even doing some work with i'm talking when i say youngins i mean under 35 you know yes and, and i have a few and i you know i get i get emails every day and social media messages every day like hey listen to this check this out and a million kids could just shred it up now yeah. and kids are so good and different than when we were they have youtube and this that, right and here and and i don't want to short anyone because i signed on as, as young artists, you know, a, a dozen kids that I think are, are spectacular, but one in particular that, that will come to mind and you'll appreciate it because he's from Princeton. All right. This, this kid named Jack Devine. Wow, and okay. I met Jack at a NAMM show a couple of years ago in, in Nashville and I was walking and I was on the phone with an important call actually to Los Angeles. And I see this long blonde hair kid, you know, fresh face, young kid walking with a guitar out of a case. And it's like, a, it's a complete Frankenstein guitar with a reflector in the pickup cavity and wow. a complete piece of shit. And I'm on the phone and I, I pull the phone away from my ear. I go, hold on. I go, dude, nice guitar. And he goes, he goes, hey, you're the FU tone guy. Right. And I stayed right. in my phone call. I'm like, I'll call you back. And I, I said, hey, nice to meet you. And I struck up a conversation for a few minutes with him. And he goes, yeah, I'm not far from you. I'm in Princeton. Da, da, da. Jump ahead. I checked him out. This kid, everyone can play, but this kid has 
such a touch and such a um, a fire, and 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 he's a cross between a young Eddie Van Halen and Warren Demartini because he plays with such skill and ability, but he also plays with a freedom that that says this isn't how hard I practice to learn this. Right, he can just flat out it, it's coming to him mm. and he's he's fluid and young and fast and fresh but doesn't miss and he also has a he's a gear a vintage gear guy to the point of this kid plays a hundred watt super lead right. he plays wow. wet dry wet he, he's not playing you know through the modern and i think he this kid has great chops great ability great writing ability and is well on his way complete complete package this kid wow that's that's awesome yeah I, jack divine check him out on that instagram i'm gonna jack be googling divine. him as soon as we get off this zoom called jack divine Amazing. from Amazing. princeton where my dad lives my dad's in princeton so yeah i got family all over that area but um great stuff and again f u dash tone and social media adam uh yeah instagram f u tone um, I guess you just search it on all of them. Same yeah. with uh, Twitter. I think Twitter is F U. I don't know. Just search F U Tone or hashtag yeah. F U Tone. And we will link all in the show notes on talkingmetal.com. We'll have all the socials and the website linked. And for all you guitar players, I highly recommend you get some F U tone on your guitar today because it's great stuff i have it uh you took one of my charvels and hooked me up a couple years back and Can i give it. you some props for a second oh you're, sure you're talking me. <laughs> of course but let me tell you let me and i i've known you a long time and and we're bros and i think you're great but that's all personal on a, on Thank a professional you. level i think what you do and what a handful of guys do to keep this alive, to spread the message, to support music, to support. Yeah, it's nice that you'll promote my company. That's wonderful. But what's more important is, and, and you and Eddie Trunk and guys that are true fans of what we're talking about and the guys that just bring it to everybody, honestly, clear, in, a, in an open format and forum, is a beautiful thing because this is what keeps what I say, real music, real gear, real everything going because it's constantly getting knocked down and devoured by the, the big industry. What you do is a service to all of us, just as music fans, as musicians, and just guys that all dig the same thing because if it weren't for things like this, we wouldn't have it it would go back underground. And I think what you do is spectacular. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, time someone plugged you back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take every word. No, it means a lot, Adam. Thank you so thank much. You. And again, I really hope that we are back hanging at a show soon. sometime soon. Sometime soon. It's looking good. Things are going the right direction. So I'm ready to rock. I got my vaccine, so I'm ready to go. I'll go to a show right nice. now. So, yeah. Well, come visit, please. Yes. I'm that seriously. My family's all over that area. So I'm down there frequently. Washington Crossing, you said? Yep. Yeah, right next to New Hope. All right. All right. <laughs> Big thanks to Chris Aiken and Adam Reaver from 
F.U. Tone and Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show for joining me on this episode. Thanks to you for listening. Consider supporting me on Patreon. If you do the $5 a month tier, I will mail you out a Talking Metal t-shirt anywhere in the world. Plus, you get numerous bonus podcasts. You get the Mark Striegel podcast. You get the the recap show that Victor does. And uh, it's... Some people think the podcasts I do on Patreon are the best is the best stuff I do. And uh, yeah, so there you go. It's probably because I'm totally off the hook, man. Feel like not a lot of people listen to it, so I can say whatever the hell comes into my mind. And I have gotten in trouble for some of that stuff. So, anyways, check me out on Patreon on the private podcasts on Patreon. Two dollars a month gets you in the door there. All right. So we'll see you there. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. <laughs>